You are listening to episode number 157, where we are talking about the tips for seasonal living, specifically fall, both within your home food preservation and stocking that natural medicine cabinet. I want to welcome you to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, and this is where we talk about and share how to grow, preserve, and cook your own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom for a natural and self-sufficient home with or without the full-on homestead. Now, at the time of this recording, we are just officially, by the calendar, barely into fall. It is the last week of September 2018. And this is one of the really big pushes for us on the homestead. We're at the end of the harvest season. So I've still got a lot of my harvest actually coming on. We're having a really late garden season here, which means normally I've had a frost or two, usually a light one by now, but we have not had any frost yet this year, which means my garden is getting an extension. And that means I've still got a lot of harvesting and canning to do. So we are picking daily, canning daily. And it's one of my busiest and favorite times of year. And it also spawned not only this podcast episode, but our free five-day challenge that we're doing online. I thought I'm doing all of this work on our homestead to get us ready for the coming year. And we really try to practice seasonal living. So my goal is to do things by the season, obviously, kind of gave that away, right? But when we are harvesting or making things, is that I'm doing it to take us through an entire year until the next year. Now, we don't always meet that goal with absolutely everything, but that's the goal. And I wanted to bring you on that journey with me and also share with you what that is that we're doing now. And you can do also in your home to get you ready for that fall, winter, and even into the next year, all the way around. And today's podcast episode, as well as the free five-day challenge we're doing, is brought to you by the Pioneering Today Academy. The Pioneering Today Academy is our membership. I'm the founder of that. And it's only open for enrollment a few times of year. So we're open until October 3rd, 2018. And then we will not be opening the doors for enrollment again until 2019. So I highly encourage you to check out the details before the doors close. And you can do that at melissaknorris.com forward slash PTA for Pioneering Today Academy. Now, I'm going to be talking about a lot of things, and we are in the midst of a five-day challenge. So if you want to actually see visual step-by-step tutorials of some of the different things that I'm talking about, then you're going to want to go to today's show notes and get those. But you're going to need to hurry because these free videos and these free tutorials that go with each corresponding day of the challenge are only up for you to watch until October 3rd. After October 3rd, if you are a member of the Academy, then you can go in and view those videos inside your membership library anytime that you want. To get to the show notes for this episode and to get your hands on all those goodies and those videos, you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 157 because this is episode number 157. 
All right, let's get to it. So first up, we're going to be talking about preserving. And there are a ton of different ways to preserve your own food at home. And this is a building off of, if you haven't listened to it, episode number 149, and that's how to pick the best preserving method. So I want to go in anytime I'm doing anything in life, really, but especially when it comes to using our time to its best advantage, because we're all super busy, is going in with a plan. So this is with my cooking, this is with my gardening, this is with our preserving, and it's what I teach in the academy as well. So when we're preserving, and the example I'm going to use because it's one of the things we're harvesting right now is carrots. So when I am harvesting our carrots, I'm going to preserve it in different ways based upon the way that I'm going to be using it in my cooking. So once it's preserved, I know what recipes it's going to go into for the most part, what I'm going to be making with it, and that way it gets used. And it's also in the form that I need it when I go to make that specific recipe. So with the carrots, as we harvest them, I chop the tops off and those go to my chickens because they love to get fresh greens. You can also put it in the compost pile if you don't have any livestock. Then I peel my carrots and those peelings go in my bone broth bag. Like I said, fast and efficient is always the goal. So I peel my carrots because that outside peeling, I save onion skins, garlic skins, the odden ends when you're chopping off the odden ends of celery, carrots, peppers, anything like that. I throw those odden end pieces into a bag that I keep in the freezer. Then when I go to make my bone broth, I've got all of these veggie scraps that would normally just be things you'd be throwing away or possibly adding to the compost pile and maybe the chickens. And what I do is I usually just keep two bags full in the freezer because that's definitely enough for me to make a couple batches of bone broth from those veggie scrap ends. And then I go back to feeding my chickens because they do not want to be without their kitchen scraps for very long. So peel my carrots. Then I'm deciding how do I want to use these carrots throughout the year in different meals? Well, I know carrot cake is going to be a must and making some carrot muffins. So baking wise, and that means shredded carrots. But I do not have enough room in our freezer because butcher time is coming. This goes back to seasonal living and butchering was done in the fall and is still done primarily in the fall. It's going to depend. But we do it in the fall because our animals are coming off of grass fed pasture. Well, I am having to feed hay this year because we had an extremely dry summer and my pasture isn't producing enough to not feed some hay. But typically we're not really feeding hay yet. And that's one of the reasons people butcher in the fall is because your animals are coming off of the summer and all of the grass and all of the foraging, they're at their highest weight, which means you're going to get the most meat. And then you're not having to purchase hay or feed them through the winter months. That's one of the reasons a lot of people will butcher, especially larger animals like beef and pork in the fall. The other reason is because traditionally back in the pioneer days, they waited until the weather had turned cool in order to butcher because they would be salting and having to store their meat in a cold house or a spring house and your meat is going to last longer throughout the winter if you can do it when it's cold out. So that means we are getting ready to butcher next month. So I am clearing out any meat that I have got left in the freezer and vegetables, anything from last year to make room for this year's harvest of the items that we don't can or use other food preservation methods with. So for my carrots, you could grade carrots and put them in the freezer, but I don't have the room for that. So 
I'm going to be dehydrating mine. I also dehydrate carrots in rounds. So just like if you were chopping a carrot up, right? Slicing it into those rounds. And now we're gonna talk about blanching. Some vegetables you absolutely need to blanch before you freeze them or you dehydrate them. And the reason for that when you blanch something is you are actually stopping the enzymatic process because once something is picked, it still has enzymes that are at work and blanching stops those enzymes. It also helps to retain the color. With freezing, especially true with winter squash, if you don't blanch them first, you just peel them and try to freeze them raw, they will not cook right. Trust me, I wanted to save time and just did not blanch winter squash and froze a whole bunch of it. And then about three to four months later, when I went to cook it up, it didn't matter how long I baked said winter squash, it never would cook. It never got soft. It didn't have a good flavor. And that's because those enzymes had been at work while it was in the freezer. So when it comes to my carrots, if I'm freezing them, then I recommend blanching and you only blanch them for about two to three minutes in hot water, not very long. So when it comes to dehydrating with carrots, I look at the way I'm using them once they're dehydrated. So with my shredded carrots, I will use them in bisque soup, which is cream-based and doesn't cook for very long. And then I'm also gonna be using them in baked goods. And nobody wants a crunchy carrot when they're taking a bite of moist carrot cake, right? If you blanch them before you dehydrate them, then they are going to reconstitute faster and they're going to cook faster. So my shredded carrots, I blanch and then dehydrate. For the carrots that I'm just doing into rounds or in slices, those I don't blanch because those are gonna go into stock, into broth, and maybe some vegetable soups as well. But they're going to be things that are going to be cooking for a really long time. So I save my time by not blanching them for dehydrating, knowing that they're gonna be cooking at the time of use for a long period of time. And of course, you can pressure can your carrots, you can pickle your carrots, and you can ferment your carrots. So it just depends on what you want to do with them when you're harvesting them. So I try to look at it with that eye of this is how I'm going to do it. So now we're moving into our next part, and that is making bone broth. Now I've got some podcasts on bone broth that you can go and check out. Podcast episode number 48 is making bone broth and then five different ways that you can preserve it. But making your bone broth, especially going into fall and typically cold and flu season, is a great natural remedy. Yes, believe it or not, bone broth is a natural remedy. There's a lot of things that are grandma recommended if you have a cold. Chicken noodle soup is something that we're usually used to getting if you don't feel very well. And some of grandma's advice is definitely sound. And some of it, mm, I'm not really going to follow when you look at some of those kind of old wives tales or folk medicine. But it turns out grandma was absolutely right when it comes to chicken soup. And a lot of that has to do with the broth. Now, just so you know, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a certified herbalist. I'm not giving you medical advice. This is just for informational purposes. But there was a study done by the University of Nebraska Medical Center, and in their findings, the team found that the movement of neurotrophilus has to do with your white blood cells, which when you're fighting infection, was reduced. And so this suggests that chicken soup might have anti-inflammatory activity, which can help or may ease, may help, 
symptoms and shorten upper respiratory tract infections. Also, when it comes to bone broth, you've got your minerals and vitamins, and they are very easy to digest once they're in broth form. Also, we use the bones and the meat from the animals that we raise that are on our own homestead that are organic and grass-fed, pasture-raised. So I highly recommend to do homemade bone broth, one, to contain and to do it a really long time so you get that gel and collagen in there, but to also make sure that it is from animals that were raised ethically and organically and pasture-raised, if at all possible. But when you're making bone broth with the bones, hence the name, you're getting chondroitin sulfate and you're getting glucosamine. As I mentioned, gelatin and collagen, which is excellent for your gut health, your joints, and helps to boost your immune system. So the gelatin is really great for your gut as well. So leaky gut. And we also know science is proving, I love that science is catching up what we kind of felt we intuitively knew, those of us who do the old school way of things. But a good portion of your immune system is actually in your gut. So by increasing gut health, that can help boost your immune system. Pretty amazing, right? And bone broth can help with all of that. You can add herbs in there. If you have my book, Handmade, we have a complete chart of herbs and they list the medicinal property as well as the culinary properties in there. So refer back to that chart. One of my favorite ones to throw in bone broth is rosemary. I also really like sage, but if you're going to be canning with sage, sage can turn very bitter when canned. Now with broth, I will put a small amount of sage in because then we are straining it out. So the sage itself will flavor the broth somewhat, but then we're going to strain it and then can it. And so doing that with just using a small amount of fresh sage and straining it out, I haven't noticed any bitterness, but if you're doing soup or anything that you would be canning other than broth, I should say, where you're not straining it out, it's not recommended to can sage. So I like to use a lot of my vegetables, use those scraps and make up a whole bunch of bone broth this time of year. One, it helps me clean out the freezer because I roast our chickens and then I will freeze the bones and the carcasses of them after we have cooked them. So, you know, when you have a whole chicken, take all your meat off and you've got those bones left. I freeze those. And during the summer months, I'm not typically making broth. I'm so busy with the garden and preserving the other stuff. But now I'm making room in the freezer. So I take out those carcasses with my bag of frozen vegetable scraps and I can have bone broth going within five minutes. I also love to use my Instapot, because it makes it so much faster, you guys. You can do bone broth in two hours, get the incredible gel, pull that collagen and gelatin out of the bones, which is what we're after. So if you want to see that, then you're going to want to go to the show notes so that you can catch it. I've got a whole video tutorial walking you through it. Also walking you through bone broth on roasting bones, not to roast the bones. If you're going to use the slow cooker or the stovetop method, how long it needs to be, it's much, much longer. So you can go and grab those at melissakinoris.com forward slash 157 for this episode. One of the other things that we're doing is taking our herbs. So I've got all my fresh herbs are still going and a lot of my flowers that we're growing for medicinal purposes, as well as just beauty. And some also as companion plants. And those are being harvested now too. So a lot of my herbs, so sage, my peppermint, Rosemary grows all year for me. I finally have found a spot and a way to get my rosemary to grow all year. 
But my chives, the last of the basil, thyme, oregano, all of those herbs, I am harvesting and drying those or preserving them in salt. And all of the stuff I'm talking about, canning and doing all of this, we've got step-by-step tutorials walking you through how to do all of this in the academy. So I'm taking my herbs and some of them I'm going to be drying. So my sage and a lot of those green herbs that I'm using for culinary purposes, I'm going to dry. And then a lot of my flowers I'm drying too. And you can do them in the dehydrator at 95 degrees Fahrenheit or lower. Or you can do the old fashioned method where you pick them and you tie them together and you hang them upside down until they're totally dry. If I'm going to be using them to make tea and infusing in oil to then make herbal infused oils to make balms and soap and salves and all of that, then I want those herbs and those flowers to be dry. But if I'm going to be using them to make a tincture, then you can use them fresh. So this is where it's knowing how you're going to use that on the end part. So if I'm in doubt and I'm not really sure, I will just dry them because that's going to put them in a state where they're safe, they're shelf stable, and then I can later make a tincture out of them and obviously put them in my oil. But like my echinacea, which I'm so excited, this is the first year, it needs to be at least two to three years old before you start to harvest your echinacea. So I'm on my second year and I'm able to harvest my echinacea. So some of that I'm actually using fresh and creating tinctures with my echinacea with it being fresh. So I'm also restocking all of my natural remedies in our natural medicine cabinet this time of year too. Getting all of my infused oils. I love to do lavender infused oil, peppermint infused oil, calendula infused oil. And those are what I use to make lip balms, salves, and creams. Skin gets really dry in the winter, at least it seems to here. So I love to have those on hand and soap. So typically in the fall is when I will make up a whole bunch of our soap. And then I usually only have to make soap once or twice a year. And then we've got all of our bars of our homemade soap to take us all the way through the year. That also coincides very well with butcher time. If you're going to be using tallow, and or lard from your own animals or from a butcher. If you don't have your own animals, you can still oftentimes contact a local butcher and you can get lard, which is pig fat, tallow, which is from beef or cattle, to make your salves, your candles, and of course, your homemade soap. Then one of the very last things that we are doing this year is I still have apples coming on. So we've got the apple harvest. And I also have a tutorial on using an Instapot to make fast applesauce. Now, you cannot can in an electric pressure cooker, which is what an Instant Pot is. That's a brand name of an electric pressure cooker. You cannot pressure can or can in an electric pressure cooker. You can only can in a pressure canner or you can do water bath. But you can use it to speed up the process of making your things, which is why I love to use it for bone broth because I can get my broth done. I literally save myself days of time and my bone broth is done. And I've been using it to make my pear and my applesauce this year, especially when I'm doing smaller batches. Eight minutes, you guys, eight minutes and I've got my applesauce, which is pretty amazing. But the other thing that we do this time of year, other than making applesauce, which I adore because we just love to eat it, then I can take the applesauce later if I want to dehydrate it out into fruit leather. And I don't necessarily have time right now because my dehydrator is full with everything else. 
I will use applesauce in place of part of the oil or butter when I'm baking. But my other favorite thing about this time of year is taking all of those apple scraps, so the peelings, the cores, all those scraps, and making my own organic, because my apples are organic at our house, we don't use any spray, apple cider vinegar. I'm talking the real stuff, the fermented kind with the mother. And I have one jar left from last year. So the timing is perfect to get that restocked up. If you want to learn how to do all of this, you got to come to the show notes. I show you how to do all of it. And I promise it's not that hard. You just need to know the tips and the tricks and the basic things. And you can get this going too. It's been so much fun. Those of you who are part of the challenge, and if you're not and you're listening to this, it's not too late, go and check that out to see you guys doing this stuff, especially those of you who are doing it for the first time. And those of you who have experience in some of these areas, you sharing your tips and your experiences and what you've learned with others so that we're all doing it together and creating healthier environments for us and for our families. Okay, on to our verse of the week, and this is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And I really like this verse because so often with homesteading, or not even if you consider yourself necessarily a full-on homesteader, but growing some of your own food, maybe it's switching over and cooking more from scratch and using more whole foods and natural things in your home, it is endurance. It requires endurance because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes your garden just flops. We can't control the weather. Sometimes pests move in, or sometimes we just plain don't know what we don't know. All of us have those moments of discouragement and like, oh, is this really worth it? But I encourage you to keep on, to keep learning, surrounding yourself with people who understand this way of life and why to do it, and they can lift you up when you need to be lifted up. I think some of the most rewarding things I've seen from members who are in the academy are those just like me who have seen such a difference in their quality of life and have found healing from real things by moving to going back to wholesome foods and natural foods. Now, I'm not saying that just because you go natural is like a cure-all and you're going to cure everything because that's not true. But your quality of life, I personally have definitely seen a difference. As you know, many of you, if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time or read either of my books, know that by switching out my food, growing it ourselves, more of it ourselves, putting up more, preserving it ourselves, controlling those ingredients and the quality completely changed and healed me from stomach ulcers and stomach acid. We've got members who are dealing with autoimmune type disease and are finding strength and feeling healthier and getting parts of their life back as well by going this way. So we would love to have you join the community and to check out if the Pioneering Academy is something for you or not, but you do need to check it out by October 3rd because that's when we're shutting the doors down from enrollment and our members, we will be moving forward and we'd love to have you join us. So you can check that out at melissaknorris.com forward slash PTA for Pioneering Today Academy. But regardless if you join the Academy or not, 
I am so thrilled that you are listening to this podcast and you are taking the steps to create a more natural and old-fashioned home for your family and yourself. And I will be here back with you next week.